what did they say? Third time's a charm? More like 30. Let's see if you can get it right this time. Hey, it's Sachet, and this is The Conscious Creator Show. Through exclusive interviews with authors, actors, entrepreneurs, musicians, other podcasters, and all kinds of creators, we'll explore how to make a life through your art without selling your soul. The creative side of business and the business side of being a creator, if you will. We've got a host of amazing partners like Brain.fm and other amazing companies. So head on over to creators.show, that's C-R-E-A-T-O-R-S dot show to get new episodes, exclusive guides, partner deals, and more. Enjoy the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. Hope everyone had an amazing and restful holiday period. And today we've got a really special episode with one of my good friends, Dan Clark, who is the CEO of Brain.fm. And I've actually been a user way before I knew Dan uh, when they did a lifetime account promotion on AppSumo. So I was one of the one lucky ones to get that. And it's a product I use every day. I actually joke sometimes that I use Brain.fm so much when responding to email that I actually can't get myself to respond to email now without their music playing in the background. And full disclosure, they're also a partner and we're going to do be doing some a lot of experimental things uh, in the future. So excited to share those with you soon. But let's get to the episode. So this is actually the also the first video podcast that we shot. So head on over to creators.show slash Dan Clark if you want to check the video out. And in this episode, we cover uh, Dan's journey of how he actually found uh, Brain.fm as a product, and then um, his journey of becoming CEO. So he actually emailed their customer support because the product was so helpful for him and basically was like, I'll do whatever you guys need to help. So it's an incredible story. Uh, We talk about his early experiences growing up and how he struggled with bullying and a stutter and really how how martial arts helped him focus. And it sort of relates to his why behind Brain.fm. We also talk about the something that people talk about a lot or we hear about a lot, which is binaural beats and how that's basically pop science theory. Um, and they don't really have any scientific backing and the research behind Brain.fm. So they've got a lot of grants from a lot of different institutions. And there's actually a lot of scientific research behind the product. They have neuroscientists on staff. And, and that to me was really fascinating. Um, and from there, we lead into his process for developing new products, how he thinks of building teams and running a company. And that's I've seen that's actually been a common theme because that's something I'm going through. And I know it's something that creators usually struggle with. Dan also shares an amazing story of how when he was in Laos uh, about six or seven years ago and how he bought this bracelet that he basically now wears every day because for him, it's a reminder of why he's doing the work that he does. And we close off by talking about how Dan approaches new challenges. And I love this approach of basically accepting both the worst case and the best case, because then you're just going into the challenge with a really different mindset. One of my favorite quotes from him is, everyone has different goals and different reasons why they're doing an action. And when you first find the core belief of why someone wants to do something, 
that is a great way to start. And it's actually something I've used in, since we recorded in terms of whenever I'm working on projects with people, really trying to understand what their goals are and why they're doing something and what their core beliefs are behind it, because it just makes it so much easier to collaborate with people. So it's a wide ranging conversation. I think we went to almost an hour and a half. Hope you enjoy it. And as always, let us know what you think. Thank you. All right, Dan, welcome. Hey, glad to be here. Yeah, thank you for doing this. You've had an incredible journey the last three years with Brain FM, which we're going to explore. Yep. But before we get into that, there's a really funny story of how we met. Yeah. Um, do you want to start with that? Sure, yeah. So we were on the mountain for a baby bathwater, and I didn't know you, you didn't know me. I went over to you, and I was telling you what, what I do, and I was describing Brain FM, a functional music company that helps people focus, relax, and sleep better. And you're like, dude, and you took out your phone and you're like, look, and it was on the home screen in that. Right on the home page, bar. home yeah. screen, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've used the product for three years and just have amazing results with it. We both actually have a very similar journey of like how we started. Mm. Um, so talk about how you started with Brain FM. Yeah, sure. So it, it started first with my other job, right? So I was doing digital advertising, uh, traveling all around the States and stuff and realized that that's not what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And kind of made a big decision change. So I actually had a near life or death situation, which prompted me to reevaluate my life and say, okay, if I actually did die, what, would, what is this all for, right? And I started looking and, and I went back to some of my, my roots, which I'm happy to explore further, but came across Brain FM when it first launched. I remember trying it. And to be completely honest, I thought it was, I was super skeptical. I was like, this is, you know, something, but it's one of the things that I can try because I like trying everything. And I remember sitting there, listening my first time, working, taking my headphones off and being like, whoa, this is amazing. This is going to change the world. And then, then I, from there, I was just determined to be part of the rocket ship that Brain mm -hmm. FM was going to become. And so, so, what was, so you use it as a product. What was the next step to becoming part of it? So before I went on to the next step, it was really like, this is amazing. Let's see if this is actually real or like placebo and like all that stuff. Right. And I remember trying to break it. So back then, some of my back history is I'm developer first. Right. So I was someone that would work and it's really about project based. Right. So I ended up not finishing college. I started developing and, and working for people and saw that the more I can get done, the more I'm focused and in the zone, the more I can get paid and go travel and do the things that I really love to do. And I found that from 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. was my magic time. So right. I night all the time. Yeah. So I used to work every night from 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. Mm -hmm. And I really discovered that because personally, during school, I wouldn't wake up till 11. I worked as a martial arts instructor, and that was great because it was like, afternoon kind of thing. And then I ended up going into development. So it like works with your schedule. Yeah. Right. right. So I kind of like did things that like, you know, it wasn't fighting the stream. It was like going it with it and um, start traveling around the world, doing all that stuff and make a long story short as I came back and I tried to do the, especially in the digital advertising world, I tried to do like the things that you have to be to be productive. And it was just, it was just tough. You know, it's like all the like, just right to do lists and all these things. And, and maybe there's like a, always a root problem that things don't address. Yeah. And then also like waking up and having a meeting at 10 AM and like not being on. Right. Like that's really challenging. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So I used to do that. I, I remember again, trying brain FM and then came to a point where I was like, let's see if I can break it. And I'd stay up for 24 hours and then I'd use it and be like, it still works. I tried different like food. I've always tried the nootropics and diets and all that fun stuff. 
And basically at the end of my week of testing, I was like, this is actually a thing. It works. This yeah. works. Yeah. So I basically contacted customer support over and over and followed up with them like every day until I could get on the phone with the, the founders that created mm-hmm. the company. How long did that take from like emailing just because I think people sure. don't see the persistence in these things. Like, yeah. They just think you send one email and it works. Like About how- a month. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd follow up like, you know, sometimes twice a week. Like first, it's all about gatekeepers, right? So right. first it's customer support and then they contact you to director or in this case, you know, one of the founders. And I was like, okay, cool. Now I have to restart that flow right. and now I have to contact them and, and have them and get build on the that relationship. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So then I got on the phone with them and um, just told them about some of the stuff I've done in the past and how I wanted to be part of this rocket ship and what I saw. Our visions aligned. We got really excited. And then they told me that they can't afford what I was charging. And, you know, I was like, well, this is what I want to do. This is, and, and it was more than just money. It was, it was like this, this, again, this rocket ship of, of accelerating change and, and helping people. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'll, no, I'll work for free. I'm going to provide value. And you will, I'm not going to work for free forever, but you'll provide the value to, you know, hire me. And where did that mindset for you come from? Because I think like a lot of people, they leave it like, this is what I charge and all of these things. And mm-hmm. like, I, I've had that same experience where like most of my clients, I started working for free, mm-hmm. proved myself, and it just it got me to opportunities I would never have gotten. So yeah. where did that mindset come for, from for you? I think it came from martial arts. So I'm a secondary black belt, and mm-hmm. I started first being like taught karate. Karate is a, a, and martial arts is a fantastic system for developing confidence and, and things like that, mm-hmm. which I didn't have any when I was a kid. And what happened was I eventually became confident through blocks and punches really i'm actually good at something and i want to teach other people to be that and in the program that i was in at the school they used to teach instructors on how to be instructors so i was in a fortunate place where they're they teach you on like friday nights and then that evolved into this thing of okay now i want a job here but to get a job you'd have to work for for a year or two years even to be able to prove that you can handle that Oh, wow. So it was, it was an earned position. Right. And I ended up earning it. I became an instructor. Mm-hmm. And that was really, that's how you get everything is you have to show value and demonstrate that. It goes back to that like apprentice model that mm-hmm. we used to have that like people don't do anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I think the relationships at the end of the mm-hmm. day is, you know, one of the most important things you can build. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you start working with them for free. Yep. Um, and obviously now you're CEO of the company. What was that journey from starting for free to, to where you are now? So it's interesting. When I signed on board, again, I wanted to be part of the rocket ship. I never thought I was going to be driving it. So there's probably longer discussions and all of this, but I started coming to into it and saying, hey, let's... So I was a developer. So I started making out the iPhone apps and things like that and saying, this is how things are done and started building out this universe, I guess. But then there was things that are supposed to be done a certain way and we would have different kinds of agreements on what the best way to do it. And there came to a point where I was doing more than just developing. I was saying, okay, well, we should do it this way or we should. And I was becoming a, like, kind of like an operator and and what's the next step and, and this. And, you know, I didn't have the full say, but I was, I had more of a seat at the table. And one thing I think that's important in that is like, a lot of people think they can just come in and, and have that seat. Mm-hmm. But really what you did is you came in, prove yourself, delivered, and then probably got more and more to lead up to that, right? Yeah. I mean, I think you come into a a place, right? And you prove that you can do this and then you ask for more. 
Right. You know, or or sometimes you don't even ask. People just say, oh, you're really good at this. Can you yeah. also help me here? Just, just get, yeah. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? And then that kind of kept going and going. And then there was originally a point where there was two founders that started the company. The inventor was like, hey, you know, Dan is uh, really building. I want him to start taking the lead and then transition into me becoming CEO and uh, kind of growing the company from there. Yeah. And we, we've had a lot of discussions about this without going into like the specifics. As creators, like we always have to like collaborate with people on projects, right? Mm-hmm. What have you learned about collaboration and com- communication in a company through mm-hmm. that experience? So I think I've learned a lot about communication in the company, but also just like personally. Mm-hmm. So communication is hands down probably one of the most important things, right? right. And it's really crazy because if you think about communication like abstractly, it's I have an idea in my head and I move my lips and make the air vibrate Right. And you then get that idea in your head, right? So it's very complex. And, and somehow we have to get the same idea across. Yeah. Filtered through all the biases and beliefs we all have. That's a great point. We have filters and all these things, right? So the challenge, right, is that there's a lot of opportunities for communication to break down. And I think that part of it is is some of the realizations that everyone has different goals and different reasons why they're doing an action. And when you first find the core belief of, of why someone wants to do something, that is a great way to start and then go down like the next chunk of what's the next step. So really aligning vision. So instead of us just talking about what we want to do, right, right. let's talk first about why we want to do it. You know? and, and, and where did you learn how to do that? Like, is that something you're always doing as a kid or, or just where did that come from? That's a great question. Um, I think it's a marriage of, of trial by fire. And also by goal setting and things like that. So part of martial arts and, and you know, all that kind of training, not only did I learn about how to teach people, right. but we really learned about positive mental attitude the whole mm-hmm. time and about some of the tools that people can do that just change their entire mindset. So mm-hmm. goal setting, right? right? So I think, I'm, and I've always done goal setting, right? And I think I finally started marrying the idea of communication, goal setting together. So Interesting. my goal is to communicate better. So how do I treat every kind of relationship with a place where I establish my goal? How do I, am I going to achieve that goal and be able to have like, you know, frank, honest, open conversation? With so you're person. almost like optimizing within the context of like relationships with people. Mm-hmm. That's super interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And now, granted, like it's something I'm still working on mm-hmm. and it's something that, you know, you iterate through. Right. But at this current iteration of where I'm at, I, I believe that when you finally start uniting and bridging. So if I can think from my shoes, right. that's great. But if I can also think in your shoes and we can think and work together, we can get to that communication point. A lot yeah, there, there's actually, um, I did an NLP workshop and there was an interesting exercise where you basically like take the perspective of yourself, mm-hmm. the other person. Then a third person who's maybe watching you both interact. Mm-hmm. Um, because sometimes like you might st- be in interaction where you think it's an argument. Yeah. But someone watching thinks it's like nothing. Yeah. And maybe it is nothing. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how do you take all of these different perspectives? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's also about finding the wins. So I'm a big proponent on win, win, win. Right. Mm-hmm. So how do we all benefit? Right. And how do we make so much win that another person just sitting there benefits as well? Right. And I think finding that and aligning it with goal setting and all these other things has helped really understand how do we go forward with the communication and take actual items, yeah. you know, from that. And I think that's something we both think similarly on combined with, um, and I want to hear from your, your perspective on this, because this idea of just like thinking long term, because I think most people 
look for the wins, but they don't, they're looking at like the next three months or six months. Mm-hmm. The more I get to know you, the more I've just seen how long-term you think. Yeah. So talk about that. It's something I can't turn off, right? Yeah. And I think it happens from why am I doing anything now? And I don't know if it happens from this near-life death experience. I don't know right. if it's from these other kinds of things, but really it comes down to, I think, about why, just the why. You know, mm-hmm. coming back to that. And I think if you ask yourself, like Tony Robbins says, if you want better answers, ask yourself better questions, better questions right? right. Yeah. And I think that's that's the same thing with the why. So why am I even doing Brain FM? Why do I get up in the morning? Why do I, you know, have a, a great relationship with my girlfriend? You know, if mm-hmm. you think about all those things, then you can start aligning to them. Right. Why are you doing Brain FM? Because I think a lot of people think it's just, just like an app about focus, but clearly for you, it's like something much bigger. Yeah. So I think... So the reason why I'm doing it, right, is is much bigger than that, to your point, right? Mm-hmm. It's because I believe that if we're truly going to... So I think first point is that the world is in a place right now where we have a lot of advancement. We have a lot of change. We have a lot of unevenness ac- across mm-hmm. many kind of channels and things like right. that. And really is I've had situations in my life that have halted me on being the true person I am. But I was very lucky on getting tools that have maybe changed the trajectory of my life. So, for example, martial arts is one of right. those. Yeah. So I was a kid that was bullied severely in fifth and sixth grade. You know, I cry every night before I went to bed and wake up and fight my parents and go to school. It's interesting how many entrepreneurs have had that experience. Um, Elon Musk has talked about it in his book. I've had that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting like how many entrepreneurs have gone through that. Yeah, you know what? I think we should come back to that because I think that that's fun to explore. Mm-hmm. But really continuing that is, you know, I was a shy kid, right? Mm-hmm. And I think my true self was someone that just wanted to get to know everyone, share love, like all that. And I was stunted from that. Went into martial arts when I was 11 because my brother wanted to go. And my mom was like, there's a discount if we both have to go in. <laughs> so I'm going to have you both come in. And she was she loved the principles and all that. Right. And really through that, again, I I learned all these things that really made me the person I am today. And I look at that as I had a tool to become my best self. And I look at Brain FM as being that tool for hundreds of millions mm-hmm. of people around the world if they choose to be. So the goal of Brain FM is to mental states on demand. Right. It's being able to be focused and be in your intense focus without needing drugs or without you know doing kinds of different kinds of things. Not like saying that those are coffee, bad. Or like coffee, right? Like there's there's just a given, like people are like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. I can't start my morning without a coffee. Well, you know what? I drink coffee every day. Right. So it's not, I'm not saying I want to remove everything. Right. I'm just saying I want to give someone another tool that can make them really succeed. It's almost like in my experience, it becomes like a force multiplier mm-hmm. for everything else I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and again, like the core component really is if I can make you better, if I can make you more efficient, what's that going to lead you to individually, right? right? So you use BrainFM. What do you use BrainFM for? Um, I've had an interesting experience over the last three months where I started using BrainFM for email. Okay. Every time I'm responding or powering through email. Mm-hmm. And there was one point where I was sitting down to work mm-hmm. and I didn't have like my, I think, headphones or phone. And I had to respond to email. So I just started doing it without BrainFM. Yeah. I actually couldn't because i gotten so used to that <laughs> feedback. Loop. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, like email and just focus and creative work. Okay. Yeah. So I think the challenge that a lot of people have is that we have to plug into that extreme focus work mm-hmm. um, as creators or anything in any right. job. And we also have to unplug. Right. And it's on a schedule. Monday through Friday, 
You get 95. the weekends maybe. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? And the challenge with that is our brains and our bodies are not designed for that. Mm-hmm. And some people aren't designed for that either. Yeah. And I wasn't, right? I wasn't yeah. designed for focus, right? Yeah. But again, it, it's more than just helping people focus. It's helping people be the best version of themselves because if you can focus better and get more work done, you're going to get confidence. You're going to be, you know, make more money. You're going to improve your your life. Right. And how is that going to affect your life overall? Yeah. You know, it's just, it's small tools that I think have huge effects. Yeah. It's like the force multiplier effect. Um, yep. Well, I'm curious, like, what are some of your favorite stories from like users? Okay. That's fair. Um, or like power users. Cause I know you've shared some, some of those. Yes. We get a lot of power users. Um, I think there is a huge spectrum of them. So we have some people that write emails. They're like, this is amazing. I made an extra million dollars by using BrainFM because I track it over. And within the first, you know, things, within the first like three months, yeah. I started seeing I could do more work. So therefore, because they write like copy and things like that, mm-hmm. they were able to track and say like, you know, hey, I pay you $7 a month and I got a million. So yeah. I think it's worth it. <laughs> you know, amazing. Yeah. Those are kind of fun. Um, I get uh, some people that, you know, are looking for options as far as like you said, like this mm-hmm. is just a tool that I use that I love and it's part of my home screen and part of my habits. Yeah. And we go all the way to the other side of the spectrum of people saying, this is insane. This mm-hmm. is, I can't believe you guys have this. And, and we yeah. get, we get, sometimes we get videos for this when people are uh, recording this, uh-huh. but we have people that like, they've had PTSD for the last 30 years. They've tried everything. They're on drugs. They're on, you know, different kinds of, mm-hmm. uh, all these different options that you have. It doesn't work. And they're like, I tried Brain FM for the first night to sleep and I slept through the night. And they're like, I'm, you know, crying, writing the email. I've had other people that, you know, they have ADHD for years. And, you know, again, the, you know, the challenge is that in some people, medication works great, right? Mm-hmm. But sometimes you, it doesn't. Sometimes it's an overcompensation, not because we're complex creatures, right? Yeah. So if you have too much food, not a lot, like all this stuff, and you have people that find this and they're like, this is amazing. Thank you so much for developing this product and doing that. And we've seen support from that. So I get those emails all the time. I love reading those. We have a a Slack channel called Love Letters. And we just just like all the customers and everything. Yeah, exactly. Right. And it's it's really quite amazing when we talk about, you know, the different spectrums because everyone uses this differently. We have autism. So a lot of people that with autism, they use us. And uh, the Global Autism Network recommends this for their people. Mm -hmm. You have people that they have a baby and they're trying to have their baby sleep and they're just putting on sleep music to yeah. help them fall. So there's all these really great applications, but at the end of the day, it all unites on the same front. We're like, we're trying to directly improve people's lives by just listening to music. Yeah. Which is, which is an amazing mission. Um, mm-hmm. You talked about the autism foundation. Can you talk about the scientific sort of like backing of this? Because I think a lot of people think music to change lives. What sort of the research and everything behind it? Yeah. Yeah. So there's always been the idea of music to change lives. Um, so appreciate the question. Yeah. What is different? So I guess starting is like music right now is made to change our mental states, mm-hmm. right? And that's, it's emotional. It's emotional connection to music. And music is really crazy because there's some scientists that believe that music evolved along with speech or maybe even before. Mm-hmm. It's And you can't really prove it or disprove mm-hmm. it. But we use music and we listen to music by people creating it sharing it and then doing it and then, or, or listening to it. And then you usually curate things now for specific moods that you're trying to do. Right. That's not really how music was designed originally. It was to tell a story. It was to listen to an album. It's more of a narrative or yeah, right. feelings and everything. Right? Mm-hmm. So we're picking things out, right? So uh, some of the backing is like, 
you know, in the seventies, there's things called binaural beats and isochronic tones. And basically they, and, and there's a movement called Muzak. And these were actually all trying to do what Brain FM is doing now, where if you play Hertz in certain years or certain kinds of frequencies, you can elicit Delta waves and all that. Right. The challenge is that we're really complex creatures, right? Mm-hmm. You, you, there's just like the placebo effect, for example, right? That is something that even if you know you're having a placebo, it still affects you, right? Like there's things that are, we're still learning about our brains. Like and how our we bodies. can change ourselves, yeah. Sure. Exactly, right? So the binaural beats and isochronic tones, they don't really work. And the person that created binaural beats actually went on to then write that they didn't work. And there's tons of papers that you can find about that, oh, right? So, but what happened is the idea kind of invaded pop science and it perforated and, and stayed and remained around. And if you go on YouTube, you can search binaural beats and it's millions I've, and millions of people. I've done those, yeah. Doing. Yeah, exactly, right? And it, it, it's interesting because I think sometimes when I say this, people go, I, I've used binaural beats. It's totally worked for me. Right. What are you talking about? It's not that it doesn't work, but it maybe it doesn't work or there's other things at play that also help. Mm-hmm. You know, so part of it is placebo or it could right. be. Part of it also could be that this is a prompting. So there's things like priming, like if you pull your earlobe to, you know, there's all these things that are connected to it. So sometimes people are looking at the whole thing as a whole and they go, binaural beats works for me. But if you actually look at specific things through science, it's really hard to do that. So the way the whole company created was actually the inventor, Adam Hewitt, he was creating, he's he's a wicked smart composer as well as um, developer. And he was making video games that you can control with your mind, right? Wow. This is like 18 years ago. So it was, it was the EG bands that you put mm-hmm. on. And people actually use this in, in applications for people that are paraplegics and things like that. And what happens is he's creating those. And um, unfortunately, never came to market because it's extremely expensive. And EGs are very inaccurate, especially 18 years ago, right? Right. And he was uh, a musician. And he was picked up a guitar and was played and all that and realized that when he was going through his analysis of sensor logs, that it changed whenever he plays music. And then he started investigating the binaural beats, the isochronic tones, all this stuff, and realized that none of this stuff is actually working or works with increased effectiveness as it should. Right? But the, So the idea was there, but it wasn't working. Correct. Right. Right. And then over the next... I don't know, 10, 12 years, he started really creating systems and learning and testing on himself, really, like all these kinds of, you know, ideas and things and and creating. And he actually created a company that would sell his, like, software to research institutions to help them learn about the brain, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Learn about focus states, like all that stuff. So then what happened is people started buying his commercial application and started creating their own companies and selling it to the consumer when it was never designed to do so. And there's some things that, while they're not necessarily dangerous, they're not necessarily good either. Right. And they were, it was kind of like not real, you know? So, mm-hmm. so people are buying it, they're charging $1,000 a month and they're saying, this is gonna help you be better. And it, it just- So it's the same like pop science stuff. Yeah, exactly, right? right? So then um, really he ended up saying, I wanna build a consumer application and that's where Brain FM came from. And what we were able to do is, start testing it with uh, science mm-hmm. more so. So when he had the other company, people would put on their own EEGs at home and like send them stuff. And when Brain FM was created, we started coming up with like the science first approach, right? Mm-hmm. And this is even before me to give right. everyone credit, right? But um, what happened was I came in and along that time, 
we found that science was the main differentiator between all this stuff. And we started working and looking for different researchers to collaborate with, right? And um, through the collaboration and testing in real EEG settings, we've been able to get funding from the National Science Foundation to help us validate upon a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. So from that founding, so specifically the grant that we got was to evaluate alternative treatments for AD and ADHD among adults with all the different kinds of, and we can, we can dive yeah, into yeah. that. How, how's that going? Actually, I'm, I'm really curious about that. <laughs> yeah. So I'm um, basically what that gave us was money to validate this stuff in a lab, but also validate it with super expensive equipment. So it's not only EEG, but also um, fMRI. And that's mm-hmm. basically looking at the blood flow to different parts of your brain and being able to compare that to people that aren't using BrainFM or using BrainFM without the technology applied. So it's just the same exact music, same exact sounds, mm-hmm. but not the different kinds of technology underlying it. And we can see that people don't have the same blood response, right? We also do fun things with video game testing. So people are playing really, really boring video games that we actually pay them to complete. And the goal is to like have them stop, right? Like right. don't play as long, right? And uh, there's, you know, the other tests and stuff, but it, it's actually applicable to the real world. So you want to get something done and the goal or the re- reward is something like it's it's valuable, right? right? And it could be monetarily, it could be whatever. And you get distracted, right? You get like all these you kinds of You all these like notifications and everything. Yeah, exactly, right? Middle, right? And we're able to show that when you play the game with Brain FM, mm-hmm. you actually play the game longer, your accuracy increases, and um, you're able to stay on the task at mm-hmm. hand, you know, more efficiently. So all that stuff is the beginning of the things that we're testing. But really, Brain FM comes from an idea that wasn't able to be done then. There mm-hmm. wasn't AI systems like there are today that we use. There wasn't in-depth understanding of the brain and the mental states and map like they are today. And now, through technology and the timing, we're able to promise and or deliver on that promise. Does that that's all make sense? No, that, that's amazing because I think, um, I'm sure you get this all the time. There's like all of these other apps. Um, yeah on the market with like mm-hmm. timers and beats and all. Um, I'm sure you get that question of like, how is Brain FM different? Yeah, so I don't usually go into that much detail, right? but really that's the functional part mm-hmm. of, of the whole idea is that we have the science that is actually creating patented processes mm-hmm. to make the music work for activity. Right. So again, most music, they, and even some of the, the timers and all this stuff, they do this, is they just create music that sounds like it's focusing. Right. But that doesn't work, right? Like you need to create stuff first. So the science behind our music actually starts first, where we build brain protocols, Mm -hmm. we map out, and really the the aesthetic of the music is really just the facade of the building. It's just like, oh, we want to make it sound like jazz, or we want to make it sound classical, or we wanted this. But the main architecture is really the stuff that makes you focus. So we actually call that neural phase locking. Okay. And the effect is we're actually helping your neurons fire sequentially, which is, helps us push or helps you lock into a certain mental state and then stay there. That's fascinating. Um, what are other applications of this, like far-reaching implications or applications? So, you know, right now we do focus, relax, sleep, and meditation. So I think first is doubling down on that approach. Mm-hmm. In the years that we've had, because we have, you know, science and musicians and AI and like all these things that work together, you know, we have a company that is kind of top heavy. So now it's it's making the product better right. for people to have better experiences. It's making uh, better sleep, better focus, being able to map out for that. So I think 
The first level is improving what we already have. Mm -hmm. And I want to make an experience where every single time you say, I want to focus, right? you get right into that state. And then we personalize to you. It's like focus on demand whenever you need it. Correct. I, so I think of the company as actually mental states on demand. Right. And if you want focus, then you're going to gravitate towards that. And some mm -hmm. people want sleep and, you know, all those things. One of the reasons I'm wearing Aura Rings is because we're actually working on integrating wearables to the product. So then we can say, okay, did you sleep well or did you not? Are you in a focus state? What's your HRV right hey, now? Based on that, you can like change the product. Yeah, the, the, the from, from HRV, we have a pretty general idea of where you are um, when we get a baseline. And when we, our music will affect your HRV. Oh, so wow. we're able to start changing the music and change the selection uh -huh. of music for you. So I think just there is a consumer product that is It almost becomes personalized then. Yeah, totally. Person. Totally. And what's interesting is there's some other approaches where people are creating um, music only through AI, right? And we actually find that it's better to do it hand in hand with humans and AI, because at the end of the day, we have all these, the AI is responsible for like putting in all these different kinds of scientific measures to the music to make it effective. Right. But usually when you do that, it doesn't sound good if you just generated the music all Too together. Yeah. So we find that when we marry humans and this AI together, we're able to build this output of this something that you actually want to listen to. Yeah. And that's important. So, you know, doubling down on all that stuff, is really important. I think there's stuff way beyond that. So, you know, imagine if you can focus and it helps you work. Can we help you uh, work out too? And, uh, you know, I've talked about this on- Yeah, you shared some of the workout stuff with me and it's kind of mind-blowing. Yeah, it's interesting. So I've actually talked about workout music previously on, on other podcasts before. Mm -hmm. And the challenge, as you can sound, as it probably sounds, is a lot harder than it is. And that's actually why we're bringing wearables back and right. we're doing that first is because- Everyone has different goals for working out, and also everyone has different body types. Everyone has all these different kinds of things. And that is something that is a completely separate equation than just listening to focus music, because we actually have to change some of the principles. So instead of taking your mind off the music, you have to put your mind on the music more so. So you're actually- to work, right? Yeah. So like, for example, focus music, we're trying to like block out distractions. With workout music, we're actually trying to distract you from working out, so you work out longer. So you're not thinking about the pain or anything like that. So that's something that's like I'm very interested in that we're we're putting resources into, but you know it's challenging. I think enterprise, you know, things are something that we're starting to see. So people are using this in their personal lives, and they're like, "Hey, I should use this for work, right. or my company should be paying for yeah, this." Yeah, because it's like that. It goes up from teams. Yeah, exactly. Right. So we're actually selling enterprise applications now, and now we're looking at not only can we do individual basis, but how can I make it so that nine people in a room start getting the same kind of music and it's like more background, but it's, it's, everyone wants to be part of it. And it, it's that kind of advancement thing. Yeah. And then we have, you know, far reaching things. So medical, that's something that's really interesting. We're doing pre and post trials right now with different kinds of surgery centers where someone is listening to brain FM the hour before surgery right. and really calms them down during surgery or not during surgery, depending on the surgeon and the surgery that they're having and then post. Right. And, it's really interesting. So, because you've, you've mentioned stuff around recovery rates and yeah, so so the whole reason this all came up actually was mm -hmm. because my girlfriend got her tonsils out, and I thought it was just get, like getting your wisdom teeth out. I didn't realize it was a surgery. The whole thing, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she had a sign that I could make life or death situations for her, and oh, wow. I was like, "Whoa, what is happening?" And and it was it was terrifying to me and terrifying for her. And I you know have to be the boyfriend and not show that. And I realized while I was sitting in that that room that this 
is not a surgery that's a big deal, that some people are having open heart transplants and not knowing if they're going to wake up. How can we make this a better experience for everyone involved? And I started digging in and we started making music. So there is music. It's called, there's a song called Weightless and it's been used and created before us by like Marconi Union or something, right? Wait, yeah, it's like so. So it's been made specifically to help people relax. Right. And I remember calling up my neuroscientist later, and I was like, "Hey, can you just run this through our models and see how it compares?" Mm-hmm. And we did, and we we're like, "Oh, most of our music actually beats that already." But can we double down and learn some things that it's doing that we you didn't? Apply we didn't yeah. yeah, so we actually ended up making this medical relax. And sharing it, and we were able to replicate the same experiments again. Mm-hmm. All, all not clinically. That's something we want to do in writing papers. But in preliminary tests, we're able to replicate the experiment and beat that waitlist significantly. So we're actually using that medical brain FM relax in hospitals, and hospitals are super excited. Surgeons are super excited because mm-hmm. right now people are sitting on those those booths yeah. and they're scared. They're usually naked. Yeah, it's like it's like <laughs> such a hard experience because I've been through surgery and okay, if yeah. You, yeah. If you can improve that like bit of experience, that's amazing. So that's the minimum, just right. making the patient better, making that better experience. Mm-hmm. But on the maximum, hospitals currently they have to, if you have a blood pressure over a certain amount, they actually reschedule the surgery. So imagine staying up all night, not eating, yep. not drinking, getting ready for surgery, waiting for three hours. You're scared. You're nervous. You're all this stuff. And and you have to go sit, through it again. Yeah. So that actually is a benefit to the person because now you don't have to go through this thing, whole thing again mm-hmm. and get stressed out and all that. But then it's also better for a hospital because they can do more surgeries than recovery. So one of the reasons that I found out that I didn't know is the reason why you're waiting in hospitals for the next is because they usually have so many bays, right? So right. they don't just like operate and just put people in recovery. They only have well, so many recovery it. bays. Right. Um, or this is at least what I'm aware of. And what happens is they have to wait until the people do before leave before they put you in. Because that would be more, more to open, right? Exactly, right? Yeah. So now we're looking at, can we help people come out or l- use less like profanol and anesthesia mm-hmm. to help people not experience, like not have to get so deep because right. now they're in a relaxed state. Part of it is is actually reducing their blood pressure and their, their beats per minute. So they're at a calmer rate. So you can use less profanol, you can recover faster. Yeah. And then you don't have to wait longer for surgery. That's amazing. And then those last part, and, and again, I know this is probably longer, but I'm super excited about it because this yeah. is just the mission of the company. How do mm-hmm. we improve people's lives through yeah. music and through what we're, where we're finding? What's really interesting, and this is speculative, is that if people have and they're stressed out, and most people getting surgery, they're, they're above 40, they're um, maybe not in the best, best health already, and they have a lot of pressure on their heart because they're stressed. Right. And even if they're in the acceptable range to operate, if something goes bad in surgery, if when we take pressure off the heart for an hour before surgery and they have a cardiac event, we may be able to actually save people's lives. Oh, wow. And again, this is all just by listening to music, but also by applying science and what we know today. And you guys are all like getting this tested and everything right yeah, now. Yeah, so we're starting testing. It's the unfortunate part about being like the startup thing and not having crazy, crazy mm-hmm. amounts of, you know, things because we want to do this the right way right. is we have to have that balance of um, not just being pure research, not just being pure growth is how do we do all of this the right way yeah. and fit the pieces together. How, how do you think about, because um, even in like the waitlist song you mentioned, um, mm-hmm. just the, the product creation process, mm-hmm. both in terms of the experience for the listeners and also just the, the tracks that you're creating. How do you just think about like how you like put together a different a product, right? Because 
Um, you're creating all of these different musics. You're doing testing. Like, mm-hmm. What does that process look like for you? Yeah. So part of it is not only me. And, and part of it is I'm using people that are in the company that are way smarter in other applications than I am. So we have a resident neuroscientist on staff. Yeah. And he's one of, you know, a handful of people in the world that actually understand um, really complexities of how not only sound works, but how your brain processes it. And then how a lot of different functions are, you know, created. And then we have like award-winning video game musicians and things like that, that, that work there. So they're really helping me create a lot of this experience. But then also from a product standpoint, I look at it and I have talks with people all the time and on what they're using. A lot of people use Brain FM and they also use Spotify too. So like, why do you do that? How do you find that? And I'm like, what we're trying to do, oops, sorry. You want what, to what, are, what are unique ways in which people are using Brain FM that you found from just like talking to people? So, you know, people are using it to focus, but in different things. So some people like myself, I start my day every day with Brain FM and have a certain kind of routine. Yeah. You have some people that are doing it to get more energy. Some people like currently right now use it to work out, right? You have some people that are using this to like, they actually use Brain FM Focus yeah. and then they do Pomodoro sprints. So they're doing um, focus sprints for like 30 minutes and then they put on a relax song or even a sleep song and it like chills them out and then they go back into focus. So that's something that we didn't really think about when we were creating the product, but that's something that we're working on actually reintegrating. Um, one of the things we just updated in the app is now intention states. Mm-hmm. So focus is such a wide variety of things. Are you doing creative work? Like we had a lot of people coming to us and saying, I love Brain FM, but I can't use it to read because it's just not, it's my brain is going like too fast. Like it's too intense. Yeah, right. So you can, but we didn't do a good job at like delineating what kind of music to listen to. Mm-hmm. So now we have a light work. We also have yeah. a creative work, which is made for creativity. And just by doing that, we've seen people now gravitate and identify with what they're doing. And you don't have to think. So now instead yeah. of curating a list and all that stuff, you say, I want to deep work. All of these music selection we put into one category and we just start playing stuff that fits yeah. that. And it's just easier give you kind of an idea, like our conversion rates from trial to buy has increased 300% on all the apps. And I think that's a good indicator that we're making a product better because yeah. people are getting the delivery on that. And, and I think that's something we've talked about is like, like when you're running a company, this balance of like marketing mm-hmm. and just like making the product better. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I think like people spend so much time on marketing and not on product. Yeah. And I've seen you folks talk more about that, like how you kind of like balance those because I've seen you just spend so much time on product and then making it better. So I think that that's a really interesting question because when I'm looking at the company, I'm looking at really that 10-year vision. And I'm also looking at the things that we have today. So I think if you looked at the company right now and you looked at the app and you're like, well, why doesn't it do X, Y, and Z? Or or what if we just did this? Or And I want it to do all of those things too. So but you always have these like 20 things you want to do, right? Like that's, I would say that's part of being a creator. Way more than that. And not only that, but like we have a lot of users like yourself that are like, oh, wish, I wish I had this too, yeah. right? And the challenge, I think, just again, with that startup where we're at is we also have scientists. We also have music. We also have like these different kinds of things. And it's about mirroring and trying to find, no pun intended, more focus on, on what, what we're trying to do and, and what's going to be the best for our users and what's going to be best for far reaching. So mm-hmm. part of this is like the things that people don't see under hood is like some of that patented stuff, some of that, those testing procedures, some of that, that takes a lot of money and a lot of effort. And now what we've really been doing, and especially since I've taken over, is trying to 
you know, set the foundation that unfortunately is underneath the sand. Like you can't really see it. It's always the hard part about building a company, right? It's like all of those things that people don't see. Yeah. And you know what? To be honest, I thought it wasn't going to take this long. But now we're finally getting to a point where, you know, we have the right organizational structure. Yeah. We have the right team in place. We have the right systems to build these things. And now we're starting to. And and actually, when we just released our new apps, that was our whole team now shifting to getting back in the product. So yeah. people are going to start seeing a lot of more updates a lot of things that are delivering, like finally Sonos integration, finally, um, you know, Alexa and, you know, all these different things, Mac apps, all that. And I'm super excited because 2020 is going to be the year we deliver on yeah. that. Yeah, and that's something I've asked for is like the Sonos integration. So I'm yeah. super excited for that. Yeah. Um, it takes like six months to be able to get approved on Sonos. That's which crazy. is part of that too, because like we're also working with third-party systems. But uh-huh. yeah, that's just, you know, all that's that really stuff. Crazy. Yeah. Um, Switching gears gears a bit, let's talk about more of like more about your personal journey. Sure. Um, sort of like before Brain FM, you said you talked about how you like you struggled with focus as a kid, right? And mm-hmm. talk more about that. Um, yeah, so when I was a kid, I think I just I think I had other things going on mm-hmm. that was just a distraction from that. And I had different priorities, like you know, because I was picked on so much and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And then almost what we were talking about before, where we've both been picked on. Yeah. I think that like ignites things in your brain when you're a kid that you start becoming, I don't want to say hyperactive, but like you start seeing and processing information on a lot of things. And it's very hard to focus on one task for a mm-hmm. delineated period of time because your mind just pops up with the different kinds of things. It's like this like hypervigilance where you're also like noticing everything right yeah. around you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was challenging, you know, and then really it was also like paired with like, me just not like my brain just not waking up until mm-hmm. a certain time. And it took me a really long time because I was fighting that. Cause that's what culture says. You have to wake up, you have to work there. Funny enough. Now as a side note, I am a morning person, but it's because now I have a tool to help me do that. Right. But before I, it took me, I, I just kind of, I was, it was something I tried, but it mm-hmm. was hard. Yeah. What are, what are other tools and stuff that you use? Like, like in terms of your personal day and productivity? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have a habit. I think part of tools is also a habit. So Mm -hmm. human beings are the only animal on this earth that I'm aware of that can learn and change their own behavior. Um, And we have the conscious ability to be able to do that. So I think it really starts at your habits and then your habits define what tools you use and how you use them most effectively. So what I do is my morning routine is I wake up and I always have a nice coffee. I say this all the time and I think it's because from I'm from Boston, but that's just part of my whole thing. So what I'll do is I'll have a nice coffee. I sit down with Brain FM and I open up a journal and I just start writing. And I usually write reflections of like things that were from yesterday or things I've been thinking about that I still don't have clarity on. I wish I did or I want to. And it's just like free writing. Free writing, yeah. And I usually do this for like half a page, you know. And then I'll write down, you know, big action items. What do I need to do today? What are the things I need to address? And um, I sit down. I sit down to do them. So I usually work in sprints. Um, so I have brain if I'm playing. I have caffeine. I've been experimenting with different kinds of other things to add. So like sometimes I do L-theanine, which is mm-hmm. basically what's in tea. You know, so that's nice. I don't like to do anything crazy on the nootropic scale because, again, I, it's not about necessarily 
there's so much in about that now. It's like it's exploding like crazy. There is. And I think that there is so much things that people don't know yet. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of sources and like there's all a lot of stuff there. But um, that's a whole nother conversation because I used to be really into nootropics. And like trying different ones and all? Or? That one, that and like this is previous to Brain FM. It did that. And that's I think why I had so much interest in this and why I was like, wow, I don't need nootropics or it's the same effect from nootropics or, you know, whatever. Also diets, like, you know, all the different kinds of intermittent fasting as well as keto and like all that. So make a long story short, we can come back to that if you want. But sit down, iced coffee, Brain FM playing, good sound canceling headphones, write down reflections, write down the to-do. And then I just like plan my day. So I actually open up my calendar and I say, boom, 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 boom. What I've learned over the past few months, year, is now I start prioritizing my week as well. So Mondays, I already have a set amount of time that I only talk to people and I don't like work if they're not filled, but I don't talk with people outside of those friends. And it helps me really, you know, build into like, this is exactly what I have to do today. And this is how my day is successful. It's kind of like the maker manager schedule from Polygram, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So that's helpful. And then, um, so I do that every day and I, and I do the work that within the team, I try to prioritize things. Wednesdays, I actually do some interesting stuff. So I actually have an unstructured day. Mm-hmm. I still work, but I don't have anything to do or anything like that. I use that to just, what are the things that I want to find out more? What are the things that I'm curious about? And I usually do that as like a... So, so you're almost like separating days where like you're working with people mm-hmm. and then almost days where you're like going internal and just like thinking. I can't say I ever do one day of just thinking and one day of that. It's more like sections and chunks of time. Of the day, okay. Yeah. So like work sprints are some of the most effective things you can do, whether it's Pomodoro or maybe longer intensities. Mm -hmm. And then taking a break from that and walking around or sitting up or whatever, or even talking, communicating with people Mm -hmm. and then diving back in, you know? So it's things like that. Um, I also like, again, the Wednesday thing I treat where it's separate. So I have it unstructured on purpose. So it's so there's nothing on your calendar. Usually not. Usually maybe like one thing at the end of the day, but I treat it like a weekend because there was this thing where I found on Saturday mornings, I get the most amount of work done. How can I bring that into the work week? Mm-hmm. And now what we've been doing is like people, in the, like I still go in the office or sometimes I'll stay home and work, but that's where most of these ideas, product, that's when I design because it's it's creative and there's not like a structure on it yeah. too. That's fascinating because, yeah, um, even as I'm doing this, it's been interesting to be in modes where I'm just like creating and building the marketing campaign and all and then doing an interview and just how like that context switching. Because mm. I think that's a lot of time, like people waste a lot of time just like context switching between different tasks. It's energy, you know? So what happens is like as people and as mm-hmm. our brains work, there, you don't really multitask, right? How our yeah. brains multitask is keep... The- we, all, we all want to, right? Because it's all this like <laughs> multitasking and everything, but it's so hard. You kind of have to, right? Because yeah. you have to remember all these things. But if you've ever felt like, have you ever felt burned out before? Oh, yeah. I usually find in my own life that when I reach burnout, it's because I'm doing so many things, but I'm not actually completing anything. So I'm holding them all up in like my RAM and I don't release it. Yeah, like the process is just churning. Yeah, and, and what happens is when you like open up the file... Open up the Chrome tab, right? Have you ever opened up too many Chrome tabs and then your computer's like, oh, yeah. wait, yeah. That's what happens to your brain, right? And what I've been trying to do is actually have blocks where I only context switch so many times in a day, mm-hmm. especially when I have certain to-do items. So like, actually, we were we were getting breakfast this morning. We were doing work before this. Yeah. And you were like, uh, I had to leave because I had to make a recording. Mm-hmm. And I was like, 
okay, I, I want to talk to you, but I'm actually going to keep listening to this music because I can't stay out of the state and I need to yeah. walk home. And, you yeah, because you're in that context. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That's fascinating. I'm, I'm curious how I can apply this in terms of the, when I'm doing the interviews versus the other context because it's so different. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could like chunk things. So you could mm-hmm. say, okay, I, I do interviews on Mondays. I do it at this time. I have a small break and then I do another one. And then you like are only just, all your goal of the day to make a certain day like that is successful. Just have a really good conversation yeah. with people. What, what have you learned about this balance of creating structure mm-hmm. versus like as creators, sometimes you just like need to sort of like go crazy, right? Where like that's where the ideas come from. So I'm still is, learning. Is that the case for you? Or? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm so my brain is always going big mm-hmm. picture. I usually see big picture and I see granular. So I see this is what we can do and how brain if I'm going to change the world. Right. And I also think like, this is exactly how our email should look, <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. And it's been hard for me to actually execute in the middle. Right. And I right. think as creators, that's not normally maybe our role, mm-hmm. but sometimes you need to do it. Right? right. So I've actually created more guides to be able to help that for myself. So I have this triangle actually, and it's almost like a mind map. And it's a way for me to better communicate with my team on how I want things done or how I'm proposing things and then having interpretation. So we're making sure that we're talking and that kind of goes back to the communication thing. So what I do is I start with the main idea on the top and then I write like the actual thing that I can see on the bottom. And then I try to write down step-by-step all the different chunks. So for example, if, if brain FM is their main goal is to grow users and subscribers, right? We could say, okay, we're going to increase conversions. That's just just one thing. Yeah, but you just skip three levels, actually, because the first thing, if you want to grow subscribers, right, is how, what are the opportunities for growing subscribers, right? right? And we have a consumer product and enterprise product, right? So let's start with consumer. We're going to do that. Okay, cool. What are the options that we can do to increase consumers, right? Well, we can increase conversion. Mm -hmm. We can increase traffic or we could reactivate users. So so you're mapping the whole system instead of just being like. Let's just sound out to one detail. Correct. Yeah. So you, I've, I've started, yeah, really mapping it down. And then when I have a conversation with someone, it's easier for me to like sit down and say, okay, this is the level that we're thinking of, but also like, this is my level and how I got here. And then we're able to have a rapid communication and understanding and then move forward. And it's, yeah. you know, that's something I just started doing last I, I'm month smiling so. because I've had that experience where like, I'll express a vision to someone mm-hmm. and be like, this is what needs to be done. But maybe because they don't, I haven't contextualize the middle yeah even though i see it they're like what do i have to do or they see it they go do it and then you you meet up with them and you're like this isn't what we talked about right. you know what i mean and that's i mean frankly that's happened with brain fm too is like you know we're creating a product and we think it's really great and i step away to go do something else and i come back and i'm like but this is not the best thing for the user because yeah. this is the, the data shows and how does and you know now part of growing part of me growing part of the company but we've been able to iterate, make that process faster. And now our communication is is flying. And that's some of the things that we've done to help that. How, how have you evolved as a founder and leader in the last three years? Because um, I know you've talked about mm-hmm. Reboot and the, their workshops. Yeah. So talk about your experience with Jeez. your personal evolution. Yeah, personal evolution. So just trying to think of how the best way to, to start this. So you know, when, when I became founder, again, I wasn't, or became founder, when I became CEO, I actually had someone come to me and they're like, hey, if you're going to do this, you should go to the reboot, right? And and you've, you haven't gone to one, but you've, you've I've done, read the book and yeah, it's one of book. my 
It's probably somewhere here. It's, yeah. Um, right there, actually. Mm -hmm. It's one of my favorite books. Yeah. Like, probably the best book I read this year. Mm -hmm. There's something about it. So, it, like, creates a framework, kind of like the pyramid I was saying, that helps you identify things about yourself that may be limiting beliefs or maybe things that you're just not even aware of. Like, I remember there's just one exercise that someone's described for you, and you, you're basically supposed to play with Play-Doh, and you're supposed to make it represent your life. And you look Like, at you're it. doing that at the, at the workshop? Yeah, at the workshop, okay. right? And I remember doing it. And I was like, this is Plato. And you know, like, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. You're I'm like, here. I'm a CEO. What am I doing here? I, I, I was like, yeah, well, I just became CEO. I was like, is this the best use of my time? Like, all this stuff, right? And I remember doing it and it's supposed to represent your life and you're doing it. And when you do it, you're supposed to talk about everything you're thinking about. And it's really interesting because once you start taking your hands and like your brain, part of your brain's doing that, things start coming out. And, you know, without going into like crazy detail about that, I think the biggest takeaway I found is that we have certain belief structures about the world that we live in, about who we are as a person mm -hmm. that can limit us into being the true version of ourselves right. and really helping everything around us. Right. So, you know, what I, I think my personal evolution is, is understanding that everyone is different. Right. Mm -hmm. But like truly understanding, like you have, like everyone has, which sounds like a simple thing, but like when you like think about it, like people just expect others to kind of like think like them and all of these things. Mm -hmm. And everyone has different goals yeah. for different reasons. So yeah. what's interesting is like, I may have the goal. There could be 10 versions of me that mm -hmm. want to grow up brain FM and there could right. be 10 different reasons why. Right. And anything like it doesn't even have to be a company. It could be like the reason why I want to go to the gym. Some people want to feel good and want to be sexy and all that. And some other people want to just be healthy. Right. Yeah, just want something else, but they right? both go to the gym, yeah. you know, and I think figuring all that stuff out was super important. And then figuring out better ways to communicate with team members and then also assembling the team. What, what have you learned in that, like in better ways to communicate with the team? Because I'm sure you've I've made mistakes with that. Like, can you share some examples on, on both sides? Yeah. I mean, I think part of it is being aggressive sometimes mm -hmm. and the way where like, I'm a nice guy. I'm kind of always been like a, a person that treats people with respect and stuff because I live by the golden rule because that's how my parents brought me up. And that's why I got picked on so much because I was just always nice to people. Yeah. <laughs> and then learning, yeah, learning to be more fierce or whatever. And I think part of it is in a professional setting is just being more honest and blunt because it's not about feelings. It's about like, it doesn't matter if everyone, like how people feel, it matters necessarily how we accomplish this goal. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously taking into account that, you know, I don't want to be an asshole, <laughs> you know, but the Steve Jobs syndrome, right? Like, yeah, that's, them. that's not me. I've always found that the best way to find success is again, those win-wins, right? Mm -hmm. And how can I better help you by just telling you directly, but also, you know, when I tell you, it's because I believe you can do it. Yeah. It's like you're coming from a place of caring mm -hmm. and the intention is right. Yeah. So, you know, part of that has been huge in communication and kind of how I've evolved with the person and evolved as a leader even more so. And and really, the way I look at the company is the thing that's stopping the growth of the company or really me. Like, how do I become a better leader to have better people, to make a better product, to grow up and up? And that's something that, you know, I've been focusing on. And, and so, so what's an example of how you've changed or evolved, let's say, like in the last year? I, I guess using the same example, it's like, you know, that more direct approach. I think it's been extremely helpful. And we've talked about that because I think like sometimes like we have a tendency where like let's say someone isn't doing what they're supposed to do, like mm -hmm. try and just go do it for them or just help them, right? Like as creators, 
sometimes there's this perspective of like, I can just do it faster, easier. Yeah. Um, I'm curious if you had that and how you sort of dealt with that. Totally. I think part of it is realizing that even though I want to help people, mm-hmm. when I help people, they need to help me back in a way because we're on a team. Mm-hmm. So I like to think of this as like a ship. Mm-hmm. So company's a ship, right? Yeah. And the ship has a certain destination to go to, right? And um, we can get there in, we have food for 10 days. Mm-hmm. Do we want to get there in 10 days or do we want to get there in three days and enjoy the the island that we're going yeah. on? But <laughs> kind of funny metaphor, but you know, if you think about that, and we all have our certain roles in the ship. It's actually one of your favorite quotes too, right? Ship with the ships. Oh, yeah. That's, that's about, one so. of my favorite yeah. quotes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I didn't never draw the conclusion. But, you know, if I'm the captain of the ship, I cannot do the whole thing. I need mm-hmm. a first mate. I need a chef. I need, a you know, all these different kinds of things. And everyone needs to play their role. And if I am jumping between all the roles, which, to be frank, I've, I've done in the past, right? Realizing, like, the best thing for the entire crew is me just being on the ship and then realizing and then letting people know like this is your job you have to be here yeah so that's been a huge change because i just usually i'm like oh you can get there you can do it right and um now giving people success like this is what growth manager is for me this is what the deckhand is for me right these are what the jobs are tell me if you think otherwise, let's create this plan together. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of this, you know what success is. So, so you're almost like co-creating what the role looks like and the goals are with mm-hmm. them. Yeah. Um, so that's like, fascinating. would you call yourself an entrepreneur? I think for a long time, I've been more, I would say a freelancer. Okay. Um, well, I think there's a definition of entrepreneur that people say like, you have to have like hired like X number of people. I don't, so I don't know what that is. If you look at the context of like someone who works for himself, yes. Okay. So with that, I think that the thing is I sometimes in the past have just expected other people to be entrepreneurs mm-hmm. and being able to connect dots between right. things rapidly. And sometimes there's been a breakdown where people are thinking from a different frame of mind and it's right. not bad. It's more like they are closer to the glass. So it's like, right. like um, the people that look at a skyscraper from really far away mm-hmm. and the people that look, so this is actually a karate uh, thing we used to say to kids is that, one person would l- always look, they're, they're, they're the cleaners, mm-hmm. and they'd see all the bug and the gunk and all that stuff, and they'd be like, this is a disgusting skyscraper. And then if you step back and you see the whole thing, you're like, this is beautiful. It's beautiful, right? And I think that that's, that's a really big tangent, but like I think that's what happens sometimes is that I'm looking at the whole picture of things, mm-hmm. and some people, because they have a different position than me, they're looking right here. And what we have to do is, Instead of me stepping back and them, you know, staying there, we have to unite in the middle. Yeah, like share lenses. Yeah, exactly. That's a really great point. Share lenses, Mm -hmm. find that together. And then I go back and they go forward. And then we know why we're doing the jobs that we're doing. Well, one thing I've noticed is you connected a lot of things like sort of like your martial arts experience. Mm -hmm. So you've done that. You've been an entrepreneur or CEO and also done development Mm -hmm. and product. Are there common themes on all of them? that sort of kind of like unite that or like principles that you've seen all of them? I think perseverance is a word I always have identified with mm-hmm. because sometimes things are hard right? and you have the option of giving up or kind of like half-assing it or just going harder mm-hmm. and going the whole way. You know, I, I think I learned that a lot, you know, when I was teaching and trying to teach and I was shy. I was, I was not, a, I had, so actually. How, how was your first like, First time you stepped up to teaching, like, what was that experience like? 
I remember, it's funny, I can actually flash right back there. I remember teaching the whole class on my first day. And it was like, you have to do this because if you want to be a teacher, just teach. And it was like the teaching class. Right. And I remember being terrified. But I was so happy I even got into the teaching program where I was just like, I, I feel like I have to, so I'm mm-hmm. going to do it. And then I did it. And I was like, people listen to me? Wow, this is amazing. You know, at the time, I was still probably dealing with like some remnants of a stutter. So when I was really young, I don't know if you know this, I actually had extreme stutter. So did I. Really? Stutters, yes. That's, that's funny. I didn't mm-hmm. know that. So I, I was actually put into like a slow learning class mm-hmm. in first grade. And my parents were like, no, he's actually smart. He just can't talk. And, that, and that's so weird <laughs> that know. we do that in our culture. Like we take one thing that someone's not good at mm-hmm. because that's just like, oh, everything like completely change the direction of someone's life. Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, that's another, another great metaphor besides even martial arts, but like, so I had a speech coach. I had a person that came in, I think it was once a week, maybe, maybe twice a week. And she taught me how to speak properly. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's because I couldn't hear or because I have big lips or whatever, but like, it was hard for me to pronounce words. Right. And I think now it's actually because my mind moved so fast that back then I didn't know how to control it. But that was a tool that is one of the most valuable things public school has given me. And without that, I wouldn't be my true best self. What's interesting is you also shared about how like you're very careful with like the word choice you use now. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious if like if that's related to like where you learn about pronouncing words. And yeah, sometimes like those weaknesses can become our strengths later on. I think so. I think I, th- I have a different relationship to words um, mm-hmm. because like even now I'm doing it. <laughs> when I'm thinking, I'm, I'm conscious about what I want to betray or or say, right? Right. Because there's a meaning behind that. Uh, One of my really good friends. uh, It's it's the meaning you're saying out loud, but also the meaning you're giving it yourself internally, right? That's better than I was going to say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it all comes down to like, you know, a lot of tools have helped me. And if I can be part of a tool that helps a lot of people, that's that's really what I want to do and be part of that. And it's, you know, that's kind of the theme and, and building that. And it's really cool to be part of that process. What are other common themes in, in these different disciplines? So we did talk about perseverance and we kind of slanted over there. So it's that. It's that's kind of how all our conversations go, just like all over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what other themes? I think part of it is also like, I don't want to say spiritual, but like part of it is like, why, why do we do anything? Mm-hmm. And I think that finding meaning in things is also super important for me. How do we... Like, how do I look back and look at the legacy of my life and be like, you know what? If I live my life 10 times, I'd pick that one. And that's the life that I want to live and be proud of the life that I have. Because mm-hmm. I look at myself and I am super fortunate for, you know, where I am. Um, yeah, like we get to do this. Yeah. So I've, I've worn this bracelet every day for six, seven, six and a half years, almost seven years. And it was from Laos. So I went there. And I went on this this trip when I, you know, I used to backpack all over the world and like all that fun stuff. We can riff on going to diff- different continents later. But I found myself in Laos, right? I bought this in, in actually Thailand. It was like 30 cents. I tied it on. I thought it looked cool. And went out there. And they have this thing of, of blessing bracelets and things. This, this red one's actually a blessing. It's like a wish bracelet. But on that trip, you know, having a great time, experiencing, being uh, introduced to like Buddhism culture and like all that stuff. And also seeing for the first time, extreme poverty. So we went up to Laos and at the time they only had their borders open for like eight years or like half communist, half capitalist. And I have never seen 
extreme poverty like that. So the reason why I wear this is we're going through the mountains and our bus had to stop because there's a landslide, right? So we're like 30 people, 40 people, all 18 to 35. And 10 minutes before we were at a gas station and we bit Pringles, which they sell all over the world, water, candy, all this stuff. It was like a dollar, right? right? Super cheap. And bus breaks down and we can't do anything. We're on the side of a mountain. We're just going to come out of the bus and sit down. And there's like huts and there's kids and they came out and they're like eight kids and they're playing and all this and people start giving them food. And you can tell that these kids have never had a Pringle before. Oh, wow. And when I say on the side of a mountain, it's like mountain cliff, like straight down hundreds of Drop, feet. Yeah. yeah. I've never been on a higher mountain before. And, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm looking at, looking around and I'm seeing like the thinness of the walls that is made out of bamboo. I'm seeing these huge sacks, sacks of rice and we're just hanging out. And I, I, we bought beers from one of the trucks in front of us and we're like, you know, sitting there and I didn't really think much of it mm-hmm. until we reached a point where the mom came back and she had these bags over her, her neck and they're filled with gallons of water. And I asked my translator, I was like, hey, where did she come from? We're on a mountain. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, his name was Mr. Me. And he told me, he's like, hey, she walks down the mountain every day for two hours and walks up the mountain every day for four hours to just have water for her kids. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my God. And I took my money out. I just gave everything I had to her or, or him to give to her. And she wouldn't, he wouldn't let me do it because it was super, like, it's not good to do. It's super rude in their culture. Mm-hmm. He's like, you can't do that. I was like, okay. And then we did other things. And Laos is a beautiful country, but it's also like very, you're in your face for your first time. Mm-hmm. And I came back. This is, you know, again, a, lo- a long time ago, I got depressed. And I was like, because I, I remember coming back, being in the airport, getting a Starbucks, paying $4 for it and being like, this is doing? more. So in that I gave, I had $80 in my pocket and I went to go give it to him to give it to her. And he's like, this is super insulting. This is more money than she makes in two years. Wow. And I was like, and I remember drinking that coffee in the airport and I just started crying and I was like, what, why am I so lucky that I get to, you know, live mm-hmm. that, you know? And, um, I, over a few weeks I came to terms with it and I said, I have three options. One, ignore it. That's not really an option I have. Two is actually learn Laotian or Lao. Yeah. How to speak in Lao, mm-hmm. <laughs> Laotian, um, move there and teach kids English and like help them and all that. Yeah. Or three is I can live my life with purpose and the best way I can, every opportunity that I have, I have to take advantage of it because for all I know, those kids are still on that mountain. Mm-hmm. And the best way to help them is to take advantage of the opportunities that I have to be maybe successful enough one day to help more people. And that's really how I live my life every day. So that's a huge theme mm-hmm. because whenever things suck, <laughs> whenever things are hard, I always have this bracelet and I've never taken it off. And I yeah, never... that reminds you, right? Um, that's an amazing story. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, one thing that's interesting in that actually is um, something we've I've explored for myself and I still don't know the right answer is like, how do you think about when you're building like the Brain FM brand, also building a personal brand yourself? Currently trying to figure that out. Do you have a do you have a public Instagram? Um, I I have a public profile, but yeah. it's interesting. Like for a long time, I actually never didn't really post publicly. Um, I remember, so I shared this my story a few months back. One of the genesis that led to that was a few months back, my Instagram was completely blank. Okay, like no photos, no profile photo, and the people who shot that like found my Instagram. And they were like, 
who is this person who does not have a public Instagram? And then they saw my site and they're like, he's worked with all of these people. And that's how I actually like met. Yeah, I don't I don't know what the answer is. Like, I think we look at like like Elon Musk mm-hmm. and he's prolific on Twitter. Yeah. Which has led to great things for Tesla. Yeah. And all of his companies, also bad things. Yeah, that's um, true. Well, I, I guess my I struggle with a lot of the stuff is not, I'm not doing it for me, mm-hmm. you know? And I don't want to like open the door. But at the same time, like I know that people, they want to know the why is it also important. And, um, you know, it's, it's funny, actually, I don't even think my, like the customers of Brain FM who have tried us, yeah. like actually know like me or why we're building Brain FM or like the true intention. Like they don't know your story. Yeah. Like I almost, I feel Hopefully like that will help. this will help with that. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't think about sharing this mm-hmm. with them, but maybe that's something that should be. I, I think like, yeah. there, there's like, I think we're moving to a time where like, people want to believe in the companies and the founders um, mm-hmm. instead of just buying a product. Yeah. And I think this is why you're seeing so many founders share their story because then people become part of a mission mm. instead of just buying a product. That's fair. I mean, that's that's really like we some of our power users, like I have talked to them and, and they become even more power users and, and share it because mm-hmm. I think they know the intentions. And I think that maybe that's something that I have to be open to and, and work through and and. You know, it's funny, like, so recently I, I got the Forbes 30 under 30 list. Yeah, congratulations and, on that. Uh, thanks. I, so the reason why I bring it up, though, is is because it's been interesting because people are congratulating me. And I'm like, this isn't me. This mm-hmm. is the company. And people realizing that the company is on this mission. Right. And I'm just like the head of it. Right. And it actually feels weird being like, yay. You know, like it's it's more, it's it's like I told my team, it's a testament to all the work that we're all doing. Which shows just, the humility that you have, right? Because like some someone would be like, oh, it's all about me. Mm-hmm. So it shows that like you're not doing that. That's fair. That's fair. Maybe that's the compass for both of us as yeah. we've started experimenting with that is just remembering maybe why you're doing it. And then also, I guess for me at least, is realizing like if I can help, if that's part of yeah. the way to build the company by building my own brand, yeah. maybe that's worth well. So this came up in another interview with um, SJ, who's an Emmy or Grammy-nominated like screenwriter. Mm-hmm. We we're talking about like like building community and leaders, and it was interesting. Like it's the example of the orchestra. Mm. So if you look at the, an orchestra, the orchestra conductor actually has his back to the audience, mm. and all the members of the orchestra are like who the audience sees. Yeah. So he's helping and conducting everything, but he's letting them get almost the credit and like yeah who people see. So I think that's fascinating and like how why the orchestra is like structured that way. Yeah, that's fair. I like that. Yeah. That's a good metaphor. Because I think a lot of CEOs like just want all the attention on themselves. Uh-huh. But really like you're more of a conductor and the attention should be on the team. Definitely, definitely. I mean, I I, I wouldn't be who, we wouldn't be in the position without yeah. the team and the people that came here to help build this. And I just see myself as the, I guess, conductor. I was going to say the, the thing that conducts mm-hmm. current almost, but yeah. I see the, like, I just want to explode it. I just want to make it grow and, and make everyone that's part of the team and the technology itself just shine mm-hmm. and help people. Yeah. One last question. It's sort of like about the, the creative process and more of a meta question, which is like, how do you approach trying new things? It, it, like, like for us, like, for example, like this is kind of new, right? Like you said, you've done one video thing in the past or... I've done a few like live TV stuff, but not not, not actually like a podcast, you know. How, how is this compared to that experience of doing live TV? Or how was that? Live TV is cool. It's also like extremely like 
strange because mm-hmm. it's like you you know you have these cameras instead of them mounted on gimbals or whatever you have them like controlled by it's like, like a l- little robot <laughs> yeah it's strange and then people are just so rehearsed they have stuff in your ear and they do it all the time so it's really like jumping into something brand new and i've done it a few times since and it gets easier i have friends that do it all the time and they're like yeah it's like talking to you here yeah and it's just i think it's just about challenging yourself and doing something new mm-hmm. i have a belief so i love trying new things when I was in first grade, one of my teachers, they told me that you're always going to have change. So if you love change, you always love everything. Right. And I was like, that's awesome. I'm going to do that. And uh-huh. and I've done like I've so that's why I travel. That's why I go everywhere and why I like trying new things, because I think that that gives you an opportunity to grow. Mm-hmm. And if it is something you don't enjoy doing, it gives you an opportunity to learn more about yourself and something you maybe don't want to do. So yeah. You know, even just doing this is this is awesome. Like I've I've gotten a lot of things. Like maybe even sharing it to our listeners, users, and yeah. and also learning more about you in the process. And this is just fun. Yeah, it's 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 funny. Um, one of the things I remember learning about just podcasting and this was one like think of it as a conversation. And one thing that's that's interesting. Um, there's podcasters. This thing is like if if you know the guest and you've had conversations in the past, mm-hmm. sometimes it's like interesting, like repeating those. When you're like in front of a camera or a mic. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a fascinating thing, right? Because some of these things we've talked about before, mm-hmm. but now we're also even talking about them in a different way. Did you notice like 30 minutes in, it was just, we were like riffing and it was like really smooth and easy in the beginning. It was, it was like, you know, oh, yeah. we're doing this. <laughs> yeah. No, for, for me, like from yeah. my side, it was, I felt like almost like, cause I think when you start something new, you feel like you have to be prepared. Mm. Right. So like I've, some of the podcasters I've worked with, like have all of this, like, complete like all of this research mm. like they have the structure down and everything and that's how i felt i had to start with and that's kind of like if people listen to this part and then listen to the first part probably that that was like the first part and i was like at that point at some point i was like screw the notes let's just riff yeah which i think changed the energy too yeah 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 i you know i think trying just anything like this is actually how i i have a principle so yeah i have certain systems i think you're picking up on how i like visually think about mm. life and one of those is best case worst case right this is how i like i've tried a lot of things i've jumped in the um antarctic ocean before off a boat i've done uh standing up and doing you know tv things doing doing all this stuff and i've tried stand up ever no i haven't something i want to try yeah yeah okay but sorry sorry (laughs) so the whole reason the way i look at anything that i can do is what is the worst case scenario Mm -hmm. and what is the best case and as long as i accept both of them I'll do it. Right. So if I'm jumping out of a plane. What's the worst case scenario, right? What is actually probably, I guess, part thing is like, what is actually realistic? That's another, you know, probably mm-hmm. finer point. But what's realistic and what's the worst case scenario? I'm probably going to not enjoy it. Okay, cool. I'm ready to be uncomfortable for two minutes while I'm falling. Mm-hmm. And I jumped out of a plane and it was amazing. I don't know if I'll ever do it again, but it was amazing, you know? <laughs> it's amazing, yeah. Same thing, jumping in, like, the ocean and stuff. It's it's cool, but, like, I'm not going to die. Let's do this, you know? Okay. And I think expanding your comfort zone is actually a huge opportunity that everyone gets to try and have the, the advantage of. And it's sometimes just trying new things to do. Yeah, I think we, we stop ourselves from doing things because we, like, have all of these thoughts and maybe it's just sometimes doing that. And that's probably a perfect place to end which is if you're thinking of doing something yeah that you haven't done for a long time uh-huh. what's the best case what's the worst case and then just go do it yeah and if you do that reach out to us and let us know what you did yeah um, i'd love to hear it. yeah 
And actually on that note, um, if people want to find you after thank you and stuff, where can they find you? So I guess I should just open up my Instagram and things like that. But people can always email me at dan at brainfm. Dan at brain.fm. Yep. And then um, feel free to reach out to me and then be more up in the webs and things like that. But I love seeing emails. I love hearing how people are using Brain.fm. I love this is something that people like. Let me know and I'll do more of them, you know? Sweet. Um, <laughs> here to hear first. And we'll have all of this linked up in the show notes. Thank you for doing this. Yeah, my pleasure. Hey, it's Sachit again. If you enjoyed today's episode as much as I did, make sure you thank our guests and let them know what you thought. There's easy links to all of their social media, Twitter, Instagram, everything else in the show notes. Secondly, make sure you head on over to creators.show to get new episodes, exclusive guides, partner deals, and additional bonuses. See you next week.